0: Exactly one more week will sound like this. Actually, I actually have a plan, guys, a plan for some production and all that stuff, but I left one of my devices at work, the device that I need to play multimedia uh, on the show. So it's just going to sound like this for one more week. Welcome to it, The True Act Show, episode 347. Three things for you today. A conservative talker, big YouTuber, actually probably the most popular conservative talker on YouTube, Stephen Crowder is getting a divorce. We have some things we can learn from there. There's a debate going on right now, mostly on Twitter, about whether or not cultural Christianity was a good thing. I'll give you a definition, and we'll talk about that. And then we're going to spend some time listening and responding to an interview from a South Carolina senator, this young woman. Well, she's not a young woman. This woman uh, from the Lowcountry who filibustered and successfully defeated the six-week abortion bill just a couple weeks ago. We'll do all that in just a moment. Welcome to the Court Act Show, wherever you find podcasts. I'm sure you already know that amongst the other awesome roles I get to play in my life, I get to serve the awesome people of Beachwood Church on Sunday mornings at 10.30. You are invited out any given Sunday morning. We would love to have you. Gearing up here soon to go to the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, the excuse me, the annual meeting of the Southern Baptist Convention in New Orleans in about a month. In the meantime, out there on the YouTubes, you can find me and our Lead pastor, I don't know what title we use. Uh, the you know John Piper's version was first among equals because there's a plurality of elders, but the guy who leads the most. Anyway, he and I got some microphones out and a camera and talked about some of the goings-on, what we're expecting at the convention. So you are invited over to YouTube, look for the Beachwood page, and you should be able to find it there. Let's get moving. Steven Crowder is the guy who did the Change My Mind videos. He'll go to a college campus, put something provocative on uh, on a table banner, something like, you know, abortion, ab- abortion should be banned, guns save lives, something provocative, and then he'll just take anyone who wants to come up and talk to a microphone and have those discussions and arguments. It's a, a gigantic meme on the Internet. That's maybe what brought him to most prominence, but just so you can have some background. Uh, he, he was a comedian, to, a lot of raunchy comedy for me I'm not insulting him that's just not my kind of comedy very uh frat frat boy type comedy and he's just a year younger than I am I think maybe two years younger so the kind of comedy that I think you're too old for you're 35 grow up and tell some better uh better jokes anyway big uh, and also not my kind of figure because he's a little overly combative he was the guy that went back and forth with the daily wire back in January I think very dishonest with them and and when you hear the story I'm about to tell you, it kind of gives some light to his behavior in early January when he just seems so erratic. And it's because his life's falling apart around him. I just can't imagine what divorce would be like. Just devastating. I've seen it just devastate life after life around me in my years. It's a terrible thing. And he went on his very well-watched... Uh, a, he's got a platform and a footprint. I will never sniff. That's how popular he is. Went on his... YouTube platform and said he's getting a divorce. Not that he wants one. He made some headlines with people who hate his guts because he he bemoaned no-fault divorce laws. He, he said, basically, here in the state of Texas, if she wants a divorce, she can get one. If she wants a divorce, she doesn't want to be married anymore. I thought that was the key phrase. He said, she doesn't want to be married anymore. And that makes him, of course, sound like the victim, a man who wants to stay with, the, with his wife, the mother of his children, an intact family, truly an intact family. The key to everything. I can't remember which theologian called us, we families, little platoons. We are little platoons of the kingdom of God, little armies in our houses, ready to grow the kingdom of God in our neighborhoods. We we use families to do that. And then, a week later or so, looks like his wife, or maybe representatives of his former wife, released some video. You need the facts or I can give you commentary. And on this Ring video doorbell, his wife is eight months pregnant with twins. Eight months pregnant with twins. And we're in the middle of a argument on this video. So I want to acknowledge it's the middle of an argument. I don't know what led up to it. So there's some context that might be added that could be clarifying. But there are there are some things that no context can fix. And in this video there's a couple things that I think are enlightening. One, this argument they're having, he says something to the effect of y- you don't do wifely things and it, he was making excuse for him not doing husbandly things whatever those things are. The the argument seems to have been some kind of about something about a grocery pickup, something he expected her to do and she did not do and maybe some other arguments around, I guess, the house and duties that they have and, I guess, the division of labor. It seems to be the nature of the argument. And he s- says that very transactional thing to her. You don't do wifely things, I," and so he's not going to do whatever husbandly thing he, he should have been doing. And even to the effect, just to kind of, I guess, kind of be a jerk, or some kind of punishment to her for not doing what she was supposed to do in the house or whatever. He won't let her use the car. She's asking for the keys to the car to go do whatever it is he wanted her to do. He says, get an Uber. That's his attitude towards his eight-month pregnant pregnant wife. So I I don't want to gossip any more than we just did. It's people we don't know, don't know the story. There's always two sides to every story. But I can, at least, analyze that mindset. Analyze the mindset of a man who says to his wife, you don't do wifely things. I'm not going to do hu- if you don't do wifely things. I won't do husbandly things. I'm six months into marriage. I know I'm not an expert, uh, but I do have some Bible in my head, and I know an, I know that the picture of marriage is Christ in the church. So there's a couple things I want to say there. Marriage is not transactional. It, it, if, if you have a marriage where the two of you are waiting for the other one to do something before you do your duty, you are going to be miserable. And if you have two people that are very stubborn, you'll just keep waiting. If you are waiting to love your spouse the right way, if you are waiting to serve your spouse the right way until they do it first, in a two-stubborn people household, you will wait forever. And in a situation where one of you is not stubborn and easy, easier, ease more easily gives in, they're going to give in, he or she will give in, and resent that they had to give in that they had to do their thing for you to do your thing. Marriage is not transactional. that's, That's just a toxic stew of misery if you are waiting on one another to do your duty, to do your honor, before you do yours. So that's mutual. That's a mutual submission. We mutually submit to one another's needs and we do we honor our word and all that, but I have one further thing to say on it, gentlemen. I know, I know it's it does not sound this it even coming off of my lips. I know it sounds weird. I know when and where we live. We live in the Western world in 2023. We are post first wave feminism. We are post second wave feminism, and we are in the war over third wave feminism. I know when and where I speak. But sir, you do it first. Lead your house. Lead your wife. If you are some kind of stalemate, you're you're waiting on her to do something before you do what you're supposed to do, don't you dare. Don't withhold whatever it is you're supposed to do. You go first, man. You lead the weaker vessel. I got a bunch of weaker vessels listening to me right now. Don't you be offended by that, ladies. I'm I think I'm standing firmly on some scripture here. Gentlemen, lead. Lead by doing whatever you're supposed to, even when she doesn't. And you say that's not fair, I'm not getting what I'm not getting what I deserve. Oh, okay. You mean like a Christ loved the church situation? You mean like you have been given by the God of the universe? You think it's fair that he purposed his love on you? Does, that while we were yet sinning, Christ died for us? Model the gospel in your home, gentlemen. Steven Crowder claims to be a Christian. I I he uh, his I can't tell. I can't tell where he's, he has he speaks a lot of the language. He seems to hold to proper doctrines in a lot of ways. I don't know. I know this one. The way he views marriage just seems childish. It seems like he got married to have a woman serve him like his mom did. We're not doing that, guys. We lead. And when she's not doing what she's supposed to be doing, you keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. You lead and let her respond. Listen, guys, I know I'm not nailing it. I'm six months in. But let me tell you, that works in our house. I'm it doesn't matter what she does. I'm gonna do what I'm supposed to. It doesn't matter what she does. I'm just gonna love I'm just gonna love her. I'm gonna serve her. I'm gonna make this, I'm gonna make this thing work. And you know, you know what's awesome? Is I try to meet her needs. And I one of the ways that I define loving someone well is anticipating their needs, thinking about what they might need in the situation, try to get that in place before they even know they need it anticipating what someone's going to need that's how one of the ways that I I express affection and try to try to think ahead try to take care of what they need like even in a situation in a conversation when I recognize you know she needs something this specific emotional thing and while I'm tired or I have this other thing I just know that's what she needs I'm just gonna do that why wouldn't I not because, guys, I'm not saying, I'm not I'm husband of the year over here. I'm not nailing it. I'm just saying this is, I almost feel like that's a minimum thing. I'm just going to keep picking her, but here's what I keep finding. You know, I anticipate her needs, and I try to serve her, and I try to try to love her well. You know what she does? All the same stuff. <laughs> she just responds right back. Yeah, I lead. I, I I I lead the house, and I lead how I give affection. You know what she does? All the same things for me. She's responding, and you know what you end up being? Happy. (laughs) So, guys, marriage is awesome, and it requires mutual submission, mutual love, mutual service, but gentlemen, take the lead. I know your culture told you you weren't supposed to do that, but you should. Take the lead. Love her well. Love her first. That's what we can learn from the very sad divorce of a conservative YouTube talker. You're listening to the Corey Act Show, wherever you find podcasts. Po- uh, let's go with topic number two. I grew up deriding, and I think properly, some proper derision for, towards this idea of something called cultural Christianity. Cultural Christianity is defined as the... That's a, oh, that's a better way to do this. You know how in Ireland, everyone's just Irish <laughs> I'm not gonna edit that out. What a d- I just said one of the dumbest things I've ever said to a microphone. <laughs> I'm, I'm deciding if I'm editing no, I'm not gonna edit it. Okay. What I meant to say, you know how in Irish is everyone's Catholic? <laughs> or in Italy, you're just Catholic. It's cultural Catholicism. Like you they got baptized into something, they still go on Easter and Christmas, but they don't actually live Catholic lives even. They don't that's even one step, you know, from Protestant Christianity. They don't even live Catholic lives. Well, in the Americas, especially in North America, we had a cultural Christianity. That's why, that's where having Ten Commandments in the schools came from, prayers in schools came from, because just generally we were a Christianized nation. C- Christianized culture uh, was predominant. We practiced it imperfectly, obviously, but the standard cult, the cult of the time, meaning there were just religion. The cult was Christianity, and so that made up our culture. The standards were Christian, but. The degrading thing that we would say, or not, excuse me, the denigrating thing we would say about it is that cultural Christianity is damning to souls. People don't actually follow after Jesus. We're not actually pointing them to repentance and faith. We're just saying, hold up these behaviors. The behaviors are what keep our society together. And so just do these behaviors. And it ends up not being repentance, faith, and actual Christianity. And it was right to denigrate and say cultural Christianity is not faith in Jesus, and it's damning. It will send people to hell, and so we need contrast to show actual Christianity instead of just cultural acquiescence to some given behaviors. And so I grew up really hating on cultural Christianity. But then I started seeing all over my Twitter feed, I don't know who started the conversation, but I started seeing all over my Twitter feed arguments for cultural Christianity. I saw the testimony of a woman that said, it was just normal in my neighborhood and amongst my friend group to take all your kids to vacation Bible schools, to take them to several vacation Bible schools all summer. And my parents really weren't really part of any church, but it was normal. This is a woman in her 40s. It was normal to go to vac- vacation Bible school, and it was at a vacation Bible school that I repented of my sin, followed Jesus, and I'm a follower of Jesus right now. Just because it was cultural for people to take their kids to VBS. Saw a guy post. Yeah, the men might not have actually been Jesus-following Christians, but the idea of divorcing your wife, the mother of your children, in the 40s and 50s so that you could marry a woman 20 years younger than you was unthinkable. You'd be shunned because you didn't do the Christian thing, and now it's very normal. Man, the the argument for cultural Christianity just started to be compelling. And it's just because I've I've been so inundated and inculcated in Western culture and a separation of church and state type idea that made me think separation of Christianity and culture instead of just church and state. I was into that so much that I wouldn't say out loud, do you want a cultural Christianity? And here's where I'm leaning now. Yeah, I do. Now, I want, I want the one step further, where we have cultural Christianity, where families stay together, children have two parents, people are honest to each other, they're neighborly to each other, they're considerate of one another. They have the Christian ethic of recognizing that their choices in the tribe, in the culture, affect everyone else, so they can't just do what they feel. Their feelings aren't God. Because we're in a cultural Christianity, there's an objective standard outside all of us. The objective standard outside all of us is the code of conduct. Call that the Ten Commandments. Call that some of the biblical ethics. That So, so that when my feelings bump up against the standard objective of, of behavior, I say to my feelings, you are wrong, feelings. Or I'll suppress those feelings. I'm going to bend my feelings to the objective standard of behavior because it's what holds our country together. It's what holds. It's what gives us any kind of cohesion and and fabric and thread to tie us together. Listen, I'm. B- believe this. I, I'm not saying cultural Christianity is going to save anybody's soul. It won't. But isn't it better than what we got now? now I, I see these. I see these videos too often of major American cities. Just show you block after block after block of cardboard box houses and tents set up, needles everywhere, humans defecating in the street. We're losing a couple I think it's a I think it's over a thousand people a day to fentanyl overdoses. Do you want that world? Yeah, we had a cultural Christianity, now we have a cultural secularism and it's killing us. More violent than we've ever been. We're sexually confused. Families broken. Debt, not just at the government level, but at the personal level. Like, we can't believe. Yeah, I long for some cultural Christianity that then goes further and calls people to repentance and faith. So that it's not just cultural, but then meaningful and real. So I've rethinking, I'm rethinking that. I'm going to stop being so denigrating to cultural Christianity because it had a good role and did some good things for us. You're listening to The Corey Act Show, wherever you find podcasts. Thank you for doing it. Final segment of the day. It's about four minutes long. I want to play for you some audio. I forgot one of my devices, and so I'm actually going to literally play it from my phone to this microphone like I'm a 13-year-old doing my first podcast episode, like I don't know what I'm doing, but it'll sound okay. Hey, if any of you have podcasts and you do it like that, I'm not making fun of you. I'm just telling you it sounds better in other ways. Um, Okay, here we go. There was a bill in the South Carolina Senate that died. It was filibustered and could not get the vote. It would have basically ended abortion in South Carolina because it was a six-week bill, and most women apparently don't even know they're pregnant six weeks in. So it would have largely ended abortion in South Carolina. It was filibustered and defeated. I listen to NPR regularly. And last Friday, as I was headed to get my wife from work, I heard an interview with Senator, I remember, I think it's Karen Sin, maybe. She, uh, and it's spelled S-E-N-N, but what, a, uh, what an ironic pronunciation of her name, Senator Sin. She was interviewed on NPR about being the, she's a Republican, she's the one that filibustered it, she killed it. I want you to hear her arguments and her statements just because I think they're so dumb, and I want to respond to them as we go. So she's being interviewed by Melissa Block of NPR, and the senator is Karen Sin. Here we go.
1: Can you explain why you opposed this bill that did fail yesterday in South Carolina? It would have banned abortion from the moment of conception. What was your opposition to that?
2: <laughs> well, because it's crazily oppressive, I don't like any bills that to me are radical, whether that's from the left or the right. And I do just so much wish that politics would move more toward the middle. And, you know, on these divisive issues, it just needs to be on a ballot. And the men in our legislature, they're just not going to let that happen. And our legislature is overwhelmingly male.
1: Overwhelmingly.
0: Oh, yeah, the, the male argument. I know that's compelling to some people. It shouldn't be. It's a dumb argument. Truth is the truth. It's not gendered. Truth is truth. It's not racialized. Truth is truth. It's not aged. Truth is just the truth and objectively that which is in the womb is alive and deserving of defense but just tossing it out there it's men the men won't do it and obviously just trying to say that they're male they don't have an opinion yeah i was once a child though and also i don't i don't need to be a woman to have any kind of opinion on this because this is objective reality objective biology and objective morality of which yeah i, I don't know i have some kind of expertise
1: only five women in the South Carolina Senate among 46 members. All of you, Democrats and Republicans, spoke out and voted against this near total ban. What does that tell you?
2: Well, we've done it before, so this should not have come as a surprise to my leadership. And in fact, when we got the word that he was going to bring this up for the third time in six months, we all, even the men, told him that this was a bad idea. But he insisted So this time we just gave them an earful. They're wasting our time. They're wasting the state's money. And if they would just go with something reasonable, they could pass it. But nobody on this issue can even agree what reasonable means. And so I don't know of any other way to get it done except for a
1: ballot. Well, what would be reasonable for you? What role do you think government should have in regulating abortion?
2: Right. In my view, and this is just where I've come down and it's the best moderate place that I know to be, is first trimester with exceptions. But these people, especially over in the House of Representatives, and they've got a caucus over there called the Freedom Caucus, they say that they're not going to go with six weeks, not going to go with 12 weeks. It's going to be zero or nothing.
0: Now, for now, I want to say, I would take the 12 weeks. Always take what you can get. Um, And so her position, I think, is morally wrong. i I don't think uh, it's intellectually coherent. One of the arguments I've made for a long time is, what is the difference between that which is in the womb at 12 weeks, 6 days, 23 hours, 59 minutes, and 59 seconds? What happened then? And if you take that logic all the way back to the moment of conception, you'll get there. There, there are those that just say heartbeat until there's a heartbeat because uh, I've heard the argument, at least it sounds reasonable. I don't, I think it's wrong, but I think it sounds reasonable. We say that the argument is we say a person's time of death is when their heart stops beating, so the time of life should be when your heart start, starts beating, which is again around six weeks, and that's why they make the argument at six weeks. But her argument is uh, the, the moderate thing would be first trimester with exceptions. Now... She's going to get pushback here, of course, isn't she? She's talking to a a liberal journalist, or I repeat myself, because there's only one kind of journalist, and I don't think she liked that this woman said she'd be for a 12-week or 13-week, first trimester ban. Here is more of the interview.
2: With a law that's up to 22 weeks, and then they turn around and call me a baby killer.
1: Just to be clear, when you say the first trimester would be your dividing line, you're talking about a ban after 12 weeks, I believe.
0: Oh, that's his live podcasting. Uh, Let me press a little rewind here. My bad, guys. Here we go again.
1: ...222
2: weeks, and then they turn around and call me a baby killer. Just
1: to be clear, when you say the first trimester would be your dividing line, you're talking about a ban after 12 weeks, I believe. Yes. Um, How does that square with what we heard you say, which is that abortion would be your dividing line? You're talking about a ban after 12 weeks, I believe. Yes. Um, How does that square with what we heard you say, which is that abortion laws have always been each and every one of them, about control.
2: Right, but you can't, in my view, you've got to adjust the scale toward the life in the womb, and I don't consider it up to 12 weeks. It's not even a fetus. It's not even an embryo, and it's the size of a fingernail. Um, And to me, really, a lot of times when you feel that baby move, that's generally right around that time or maybe a month later, you got to take into account. And if you're going to make the decision... I hope you don't. I mean, I don't want women to have abortions, but I am not their judge.
0: And- okay, a couple things. One, the, the the journalist makes a good point. Melissa Block, I think is her name. You got on the Senate floor and scolded everybody and said that these laws are always about control, but you're saying after the first trimester, you're all about control. Maybe it's not about control. Maybe not impugn the people who disagree with you. How about that? How about How about this? I don't I have no desire for control over anybody I actually that's a, that's a that is a tendency in people that I, I I bristle at people that like to control others. I just you know there's an injustice here and I want to see the injustice undone that we are not including humans that belong in the family of humans we're not including them and we just kill them with impunity And then she says but I'm not I'm not their judge but again yes you are you're you're judging after 13 weeks that you can now, ban abortion and punish people if they break the law. There's no coherence to this this drivel whatsoever. It's not thoughtful. It's not coherent or cohesive sets of opinions to have together.
2: Not going to take away something that they feel is, is just vital, but they do need to make a decision sooner rather than later. But six weeks is too short.
1: I understand, and I've seen photos that uh, you and other Republicans who opposed this abortion ban were given, well, I, I guess it was called gift bags, yeah. signed, the preborn. What was in those bags? It was an infant-sized
2: spine, skeleton, basically. I guess they thought that that was going to be effective. It was students for life or something. They also were the ones that sent the postcard that said I'd killed 5,000 babies But it didn't offend me. It definitely offended the rest of my sister senators. My assistant, when she saw that crumpled up bag with a spine in it, she thought I wouldn't want it, so she threw it away. And we had to go get security to dig it up because I thought it was funny, and now I keep
1: it on my desk. Just to be clear, these are plastic models of small spines. It's like what a chiropractor would use to show
0: you your spine. And she put that on her desk because she thinks it's funny. It's a ghoulish ghoulish behavior in the new term in South Carolina I, I hope we can do this let's just get get what you can you can probably you can probably get a first trimester bill I must, that's what she just said take what you can get and then we continue to win hearts and minds and get get to a total band well I, I believe we're gonna get there uh, but that's that's the well, man when you have that kind of person quote on your side or at least on your team has the R beside her name however you want to say that when that's what you got on one side, you wonder about you wonder about your friends more than you do about your enemies. And that's all I got for you this week. Learn from the crowd or divorce. Men, love and lead your wives first. Hey, cultural Christianity, not that bad. It doesn't save anybody, and it can be damning, so we we got to move past it. But it sure is better than the secular rot we're living in. And just as always, the pro-abortion arguments are incoherent to their core. Thank you for listening to The True Truax Show. Wherever you find podcasts, I'll be back with another new edition as fast as I can. Until next time, everybody, peace and love.